This is Remote Ruby. Have you any remote idea to the meaning of the word? To the cloud. Rumor has it that the serverless cloud is way more expensive. Oh my God. <laughs> oh. Hit the ground. Oh, that was some hilarious news to have one part of your company just completely trash on another part of the same business. Wait, I'm out of the loop. What happened? With some the listeners and I need context. It was a blog post somewhere on Amazon's actual depth. Their AWS blog. They're basically saying they used to use Lambda for Prime Video, and oh. now they went back. To, you know, like EC2 instances and, and saved like 90% costs. I mean, which like. makes complete sense. <laughs> I mean, those, because Lambda functions are really great if they don't always need to be running. I can't imagine that those prime, whatever you just transcoders, uploader thing, you just weren't running basically all the time. Yeah, it's pretty wild though. Them just hilariously posting that. I'm sure they were proud of it, but then also... Everybody online was like, oh my God, you just own yourself. You played yourself. It's so good. Well, there was one camp of that. And then there was another camp still defending the need for it and stuff. So by the time I got on Reddit last night, I was so tired of like reading the word serverless. I feel like we're at the point with serverless where we were at like a few years with microservices where like it became a thing. Everyone's like, oh yeah, we're going to do this. And then everyone did it. And then everyone was like, wait, maybe this one pattern doesn't work in every single use case. And it's really good at some things and not at others. And I feel like that's where we've arrived at with serverless. Because I feel like a few years ago, everyone's like, oh yeah, man, we're, it's going to be serverless, everything. Everything's going to be in the cloud, man. And now we're just like, yeah, it's really good at some things and not for others. I made a microservice the other day. That could have been serverless, serverless function. Your story is what convinced me to actually do it serverless. Oh, really? Yeah, we have a need at Podia for a project we're releasing soon where we need to be able to capture a screenshot of something. We were going to use an API and then like we hit our limit testing in the first few days. And we already like using the API, we still had to do all the setup work to generate the screenshot. So it's, we can right. do this ourselves with Puppeteer. But the problem is we use Heroku and Puppeteer build pack for Heroku. They warn can go up to like 500 meg, which I don't understand because like the soft limit on Heroku is 350. Right. For select size. Hmm. So anyway, we couldn't put it in our main app. So I built a little Rota app, me and my coworker Mario. And Shout out. For some, I used Rota. It was cool. It just has a route that knows how to go take a screenshot using Puppeteer, using the Grover gem and returns the file and we upload it to active storage. I remember why I have a problem with you. Because I did that without you? Yeah, but that's not actually why. You, you did in Rota. Well, I'm just curious what decision <laughs> led you... No, no, no. There's a reason. What decision specifically... I'm curious why you decided Rota was the best choice. There's a lot of science involved. I was going to use Sinatra because that's just what I thought to use because it's lightweight. And in Ruby... And then I thought, oh, I've been looking for an excuse to use Rhoda. And so I Googled okay. Sinatra versus Rhoda. And it's like, Rhoda's four times faster than Sinatra. And I was like, well, there's wow. my selling point to the rest of the company. Right. So here's my problem with you. You wrote that in Rhoda. A few months ago, I wrote a Sinatra app and deployed it at Podia. Okay. And now I have this 
burning thing in my soul that won't go away. Like it's there oh, at night. So this it's has there nothing in the to day. do with me. This no, has no, everything to do with you. It has everything to do with you because you wrote this in Rhoda and now I'm like, oh, well now I should upgrade this Sinatra to Rhoda. Rhoda was yeah, cool. I mean, your old service is four times slower. So now I know I mean, that. So now yeah. that it's more than a burn. Mm-hmm. It's like an itch. Have fun running that dinosaur of a web app you made. Oh my God, bro. You can't crap on rack up. Rhoda was cool because it's got plugins, right? So Brilliant. everything you want to do to build. So does Sinatra? Well, I will say the Sinatra plugin system is it is harder for me to understand it. And there's a lot of first party Rhoda plugins too. And so we implemented some authentication with the bear token and it was yeah too long. Uh, Bridgetown is using Rhoda for their serverless edge thing stuff. I never actually started doing it. So Rhoda has just been sitting on this, like this shelf of like, this is something I need to understand in order to do this other thing. Oh yeah. And now you have presented me a challenge. Well, I have a lot of respect for Jeremy Evans who made Rhoda. He also made the sequel Jim, which is kind of a confusing name. It's an ORM ish. Heard really things about it. I interviewed at a company and one of the requirements was use SQL instead of active record. I don't know if they actually use the SQL gym or if it was just like seeing how somebody works in it, but it was cool. And I'm pretty sure ROM RB is built on top of the SQL gym. I think that sounds right. Because isn't ROM also Jeremy's project? No, ROM is... No, ROM is from Hanami. Yeah. Yeah. But this project was cool because I didn't need a database or anything. Just needed a hidden endpoint. But... Mario and I got to the end and we we're like, oh, that only took us like a few hours to implement. Should we have done this as a serverless function? Mm-hmm. And so we looked at Cloudflare workers, but I read Cloudflare didn't support Puppeteer and mm. we could have done it in something else. But at that point it was like, eh, let's just leave this be. You can do it on Vercel. Aren't Cloudflare workers, don't they have to be JavaScript? I think so. One of them can be, I think Rust is an option. <laughs> Rust or JavaScript. Thank you very much, sir. I'm going to go look that up. That's, actually, that's an interesting offering. Yeah, native Rust support on Cloudflare workers. So it was okay. 20, that's actually pretty cool. 21. Yeah. At that point, it was like, oh, we could do this in Rust. We could do this in JavaScript. <laughs> we could or do we this have in this. Sandra, we could do this in Roto. We could do this in yeah. Ruby. We could do this in Rust. Do this in. We should have a Laravel app. Just said, there you go. You all needed it was a bass flash function. <laughs> Did you see how dangerous Laravel is, though? Yeah, Laravel considered harmful. Oh, really? Uh, the latest Reddit posts. Oh, God. Yeah. Redditors. What's and we should do some Reddit. A round of blog posts for Rhoda considered harmful. Sinatra considered... We'll just, like, Ruby. make Ruby popular again by writing, you know, those articles about our own stuff. <laughs> With some, like... Go rail sham. Yeah. We'll just have some crappy arguments so that people just start arguing about how bad the arguments are and just getting more eyeballs on the community. I think that's the way to do it. Putting out really off information is a great way to get lots of feedback sent your way, <laughs> unasked for and unnecessarily. Isn't that right, Jason? I feel attacked. So did I. <laughs> Andrew and I were pairing and we were just... I'm just, yeah, we, we're just I, when we joke. pair, we just talk into the void. But he said something into the void as a uh, joke and laughed. 
the problem you're trying to solve would have been simpler to solve with react which i know is like heresy but it was true well i think that's when i agreed with you and i was like yeah i think you're right so we should just make redux in rails that's the obvious solution to this problem as like a complete yeah. joke and then we laughed about it and you yeah, tweeted it because it, it, it was the funny <laughs> joke right and then i got roasted <laughs> and then the tweets didn't stop at some point, I got miffed and I was like trying to procrastinate. So now there's a sum that I own called Redux on Rails. <laughs> yeah, but you closed the issue. So it's not a real open source project. Well, well, the issues were open. I did get an issue. I responded to it and then I turned off issues. I don't think the person got a chance to read it though because they, they the did time, because I took a screenshot and sent it to them. By the time they clicked back to the link, it was exactly. shut down. Well, you made me realize, holy crap, what if other people come do this? Well, it was a bit of an issue in itself. It was a bit of an issue. Just got back. By the time this goes out, it'll be, it'll be like two weeks because the RailsConf podcast will be out this next week. But yeah, so by the time we can talk about RailsConf, by the time this comes out, it'll probably be like RailsConf 2024. Thoughts, gentlemen? I want to start with Chris. Chris, Cook. I mean, it was different this year. It was a lot smaller than I expected. Yeah. They said there was like 750 some people. Oh, wow. And I didn't realize it was that small. Yeah. I think previous years were like 1,200. I remember one being like 1,600 people or something. So it wasn't like 1,200 yeah. at Portland last year. Something like that. Everyone yeah, during the pandemic. Out. Yeah. Yeah. So that was definitely interesting. I don't know what. What was the difference why there was such a drop in attendance this year? Not only but, that, the 750 people that were there were spread out across three floors stacked on top of each other. So it never really felt like we were like all together. With no hallway track because there weren't tables and chairs like in those lobby-ish areas. So it wasn't like easy for you to run into people because you were spread out and then you didn't just stumble into people sitting and chatting and stuff in the in between walking to talks. So that was different. I mean, I enjoyed all the keynotes. I pretty much went to those in one talk. Jordan Burke's one on hosting with Hatchbox and Fly and Render. That's a good one. And well, where should I host something? The answer was, of course, what do you expect? It depends. Mm. <laughs> That's another thing that was like, that was an era of Rails that's now come and gone where it used to be you just told everybody, all right, don't worry about it, just use Heroku. And that was like an easy thing. And now you've got, well, it depends. And that applies to hosting. It applies to your JavaScript and CSS pipelines and a bunch of things where it's, yes, we support more things, but it's nice when you do have the de facto answer and new people can just run without having to question things. Okay, but on the deployment thing specifically, yes, Heroku, right? We all know it's easy to do that. But the deployment options for Rails right now versus three or four years ago are vastly different. A few years ago, I was like, how do I get this S3 thing up here? You're having to do all this Unix and it's so complicated. I was able to get an app on fly with a couple of commands, it was pretty simple. And getting an app running on Hatchbox too is really simple compared to before when you were like having to figure out AWS rules and all this other crap. Yes, it's still complicated as I've inspired discussion the other day about your thing, but it's way easier than it used to be. Right. 
it's easier for newcomers when there's like just one answer and it's not like go take your pick choose one whatever they're all slightly different it's nice when it's while well, the default there is chosen for you and you just like learn that and then at some point you might want to explore other things but yeah one thing i noticed that i missed a lot from rails comps in the past was like in general i think the two things that were kind of new to the Ruby on Rails community was like the Trilogy MySQL adapter and the new awesome stuff in the Ruby LSP. But those are also like kind of not Rails features. There's like Trilogy in theory is just a better version of MySQL 2. There's not necessarily new features, I guess, that you get from that. The Ruby LSP is great and has some awesome stuff for your editors, but it's like not a Rails thing necessarily, except it'll run inside of your Rails server so you can hover over like URL helper and it'll tell you where it's going to take you. That stuff's super cool, but it's like not actually a feature of Rails. That's like a feature for your editor. I missed some of that stuff. What's happening in Rails? Where are we going? There's a lot of talk about here's how we got to where we are today, but where are we going in the future? And that felt missing because that's the stuff that I really enjoyed about going to the conference, meeting people, and then getting inspired about where the community is headed and trying to see where I can help out and what I can do to get involved and in, in whatever. But if there's not talk of that, you don't know where to contribute as much. It's harder. You brought up something that I thought about and I just made sure. I feel like there were really big things that happened in Rails this past year. I have questions personally. I need someone to convince me why I should use import maps and so far no one has. There's the ES build stuff and the deployment stuff, the new Docker stuff that's out and all this other oh, stuff. Yeah, and right. there was not a single talk about front end stuff. There's no mention of ES build, no mention of import maps. I'm um, only that one talk on deployment. I feel like the JavaScript thing specifically is a thing that we kind of need direction on. Let me be very clear. We're not blaming anyone. We are very thankful for everyone that put their time and effort into this. It's possible that people just still haven't figured it out and they didn't submit any CFPs, but I'm like, come on. That was specifically why I was, I wanted yeah. to get a Rails yeah. I wanted to find out more about this stuff. My takeaway was pretty much the talk that I wanted to attend wasn't there. So I'm going to pitch that next time and just do like Raphael was talking about. My favorite takeaway from the whole conference was when Raphael said that he read the new commits in rails every single day and i was like that is genius no wonder he keeps up to date with everything going on in rails just looking at all of those commits just having glossed over even just the commit messages not reading any of the code in the commits would give you an understanding of what's happening in the rails community and you kind of get that with subscribing to this week in rails but if you actually read the code and stuff you can see a lot more in the change log that stuff's really helpful to see those examples i've started doing that but it gave me a, the idea of like i should go submit the talk that i wish was there for next year and that's probably the same thing you should do is if there's nobody doing one on here's all the javascript options here's what to do about them and which one to choose that would be a killer talk and it just hopefully is the talks that hopefully get accepted next go around by the conference committee. Maybe there were some of those that were submitted, but didn't get accepted. I know they had big emphasis this year on juniors and stuff, which is awesome. Which was great. Met some incredible juniors there this year, which Same. was 
so great. Actually, my favorite part of the whole conference was the first lightning talk. Lady gets up there, starts talking about things she's working on, the Zooniverse. As it turns out, the Zooniverse was the first Rails project I ever did. I got hired by my physics professor who had a grant to work on the Zooniverse websites. And a long time ago, that was 2010, something like that. Like 13 years ago, I was working on that same project that she's working on now. And I was like, I was sitting behind a pole so I couldn't see her. And then I found her in the Slack and messaged her, Michelle. And I was like, we need to talk because this is going to sound wild. But I worked on that 13 years ago. (laughs) So we caught up afterwards and it was like just an awesome time. Blast from the past. A lot of nostalgia. You gave me a new conference talk idea while you were saying that. Perfect. Don't tell it so nobody else steals it. I'm going to tell it so that someone else builds it for me. Oh, perfect. Every morning, just send me an email using ChatGPT or OpenAI specifically of a summary of all the commits in Rails. That'd be easy to do. Yeah, totally. I've been doing that since and it's been really great. Even if you just read the changelog, it's pretty killer to stay up to date on stuff. Jumpstart Pro's already updated to Rails 7.1. I got a branch ready for that. And there's like a handful of little things. Like they changed the... This is probably going to break a bunch of random tests, but they changed the apostrophe character and they can't be blank error message. And that one, of course, caught me off guard. And I was, wait a minute. I know I didn't change that. Did Rails change that? And then you're like, oh boy, the amount of people who wrote tests for that probably are going to get hit pretty hard. (laughs) Did they change the correct one? No. Yeah. It's like a technically more correct instead of the just straight apostrophe that is the correct it's like the it's now like the u2 2019 character that way i'm sad well you may be technically incorrect then well that's fine (laughs) yeah so you know my first thing was like well you could go override that in your locale file if you want to like keep the old version that's not a terrible upgrade thing to like and we'll deal with it later because it's pretty minor but in general it's like well you probably don't want your test to uh be strictly tied to whatever value is in the yaml file especially if like your test should probably support other languages or whatever and all that jazz but I know for a fact Jason can write a regex to like fix that with VS code in like one shot. But you don't want Jason writing regexes, do you? I mean, it's better than me writing regexes. (laughs) Although I did find a really good regex tool the other day. Oh yeah? Yeah. Better than Rubular? I'm a very visual learner. And so I need to see things. And the hardest part about regex is it's so freaking hard to like visualize what's happening in the capture group. And like I've used tools, like I've had premium tools free tools i've tried tools like they would all help me write the regex but it wouldn't help me learn regex and this tool what it does is like you put in the regex and it actually builds a diagram of what's happening so it even like show you like loops for like capture groups and stuff so i was like oh my god now i can actually have a mental model of like what's happening because i can see it i'll put a link to the show notes nice i'd love to see that When you are given a regex and you've got to understand what the hell it's doing, it is a huge pain. 
they're easier to write because then you're like building up the the concept in your head. But when you've got to go read some gibberish that somebody else wrote, like Jason, you know, oh, God forbid. I found it. It's called <laughs> I Hate Regex and they have a playground. Oh, what a fitting name. I know. Oh, this is really cool. It is like a start of line, end of line, one of these characters, two it's, to 14 times. That's It's sweet. so nice. And you can actually take that as an embed, I think. So like I could just put this in my Obsidian note. That's cool. All right. Yeah. That I'll have to use because that is very slick. Yeah. Let's take a second to thank our sponsor, Honey Badger. The number one reason startups fail is that they run out of money. There's so many ways for startups to lose money. Downtime should not be one. Recent studies found that downtime can cost $427 per minute for small businesses and up to $9,000 per minute for medium-sized businesses. That's every single minute. That's insane. A monthly subscription with Honey Badger helps you prevent costly downtime by giving you all the monitoring you need in one easy-to-use platform so you can quickly understand what's going on and how to fix it, which helps you stay in business. That is good. Best of all, Honey Badger is free for small teams and setup takes as little as five minutes. Get started today at honeybadger.io. That is www.honeybadger.io. I gave my very first workshop ever at... And I've never attended a workshop either. So that was a challenge at RailsConf, but it went well. Colin Loretz and I did inbound webhooks. We had like 30 people register and then there was like 60 people in the room that showed up. So that was, that was good. I was there. Were you? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I know you would have been heckling if you were in there. So, you know. Well, you actually would not have been there because I've been in the front row heckling. No, but no. yeah, it was two hours long. So we didn't really even practice. We just were like, we're going to go for as long as these slides take us. And then uh, we'll just have open Q&A for the rest of the time, maybe 45 minutes of Q&A or something. But and we took the full two hours. So it was worked out pretty perfectly. Talked about like webhooks are, you know, nothing special. They're post requests, except the actual handling of them is different because you could get duplicates or replay attacks or whatever else and you might get bombarded so you want to shove them in the database and queue them up for management or processing later you'd run a separate app even for like if you're worrying about scale you could like have that endpoint its own rota app because it's four times faster then you could have it even a separate database for storing those and andrew just walked out and shut the door I guess he's going to go catch those webhooks or something. It was fun. Sadly, I guess I understand the reason why like they can't really record the workshops because they're kind of like code along thing. But I ended up making a screencast this past week and it was like, for anybody who couldn't make it, here you go. And that was like a 45 minute long one. I don't think I got in near as much depth as the uh, we did in the workshop for some of the like we didn't like, we can't really reasonably without like a really long integration with Stripe or something have, you know, examples for replay attacks and yada, yada, yada. So we kind of talked about some of those things at a high level, but went through all that and then made the screencast, published that this past week and also put that code into Jumpstart Pro. So it's all ready for anybody who wants to generate a controller and model and background job for 
processing webhooks in their apps. And of course, first person who used it used, I didn't know this, but HelloSign got bought by Dropbox. So it's Dropbox Sign now. And their webhooks are the dumbest thing I've ever seen. They have the content type of their webhooks is multi-part form data. No. It only has one part in it. It doesn't have multiple parts. And then inside of it, it's got JSON for the first part. Why you can't just make it application JSON and just give us the raw stuff. And then inside of that, there's like a JSON key that actually contains all the JSON in it. Literally want to fight. That's literally like, that's square up behavior. Yeah, that's terrible. So then anytime your code touches production like that, you find a bug instantly. So that was basically like, oh, you know, we assume that the webhook service actually was reasonable about their content types. But of course, God forbid you make that assumption because people do weird things all the time on the internet. So now we have Jumpstart Pro doing this like extra stuff to check if it's got form data, we will handle that separately. And then you can process that on the back end the same way. But it's just like, what is this stuff? Why do people do this? You're giving me JSON and tell me it's JSON. You don't yeah. need to like encode it this other way with other crap around it. We don't need to play games. Ridiculous. Just give me the... Yeah. I was thinking about your, the recording thing. Chris, how many employees did you have at RailsConf this year? Four. Well, including me. So that's... We had our policy. Eight pairs of hands and you didn't want to put a video camera in one of them? <laughs> I just I should have... Uh, I would have had Colin as a director in there, man. He would have been getting the close-ups and stuff. Strap GoPros to everybody's head. Yeah. Live experience. Could, yeah. For live stream, Twitch stream or something. That made it a very expensive conference this year because we had four people for hotels and flights, conference tickets and everything. That was quite the change. But it's also a good one where like Colin, well, I gave a talk so I didn't have to pay for my ticket. And then Colin was a guide. I tried to be a guide, but there weren't enough scholars. That's another like thing that we need. There's enough they guys. They didn't promote it well this year. No. So I had a lot of people who were like, how do I go to RailsCon? And I'm like, what about the guide program? And they're like, oh, I didn't know about that. Or, oh, it closed last it's week. It's too late. Yeah. So that was something I really wish that they had more scholars and more promotion for that. Because the people we did meet who were in that program, like Dominic, were just phenomenal people. So smart. So like ready and eager to learn. Met so many cool people. And so much fun to take them around and introduce them to people that they're like, oh, I would love to get a picture with Aaron Patterson or something. So that was a lot of fun, but would love to have much, much more scholars next time around. And now that you mention it, I hung out with a lot more early career developers this time around. And usually it's, I'm hanging out with a lot more like senior old people. Yeah. Geriatric. Geriatric developers. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think there was a big emphasis this year on junior developers. I thought it was awesome. And I highly encourage that. But you need the balance to keep the other people there too. Because I think it was pretty much the same as like half the people attending where it was like their first conference, Yeah, which to me is kind of like exciting. Lots of new people, but also... There's been how many years of past Rails comps and like not that many returning people this year. So love to see a lot higher return rate of previous attendees. I feel like that was 
much lower than I expected. It didn't register for a little while when they were like 50% new. I was like, yay. And then I was like, wait a minute, there's a lot of people who have been in the past that just didn't come back. The location had something to do with it. And we haven't mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, I know that. Like the location, yeah. number one, like just the location specifically being like the South of the United States. I did not see a lot of developers who I normally see on like the West Coast yeah. that are 10 conferences. And the other thing is that that location specifically is controversial for some people. And so there were a lot of people who were like, <laughs> I'm taking a stand. I'm not going because of the location, which is fine. But I don't know how much that impacted it. I don't want to blame like low turnout on that necessarily. No, there was a lot of people missing this year compared to 1200 last year or whatever. So I totally understand not coming for those people. And it's just, it's just going to be hard. I know they want to move it around, but it's got to be hard to find welcoming places for everybody all the time and, and still move it around because things are very different these days. Next year in Detroit, that one was, uh, an interesting choice. So we'll see what happens with that one. Yeah, they announced that like the Ruby Central membership stuff at the very end of the conference. So they're trying to raise more funding for conferences and Ruby Gems and all the other stuff they do. The way they worded it to me was like, hey, Shopify gives us a bag every year and we use that to like keep Ruby Gems and Bundler running. And now we need money from y'all to keep the rest of it going. Pro marketing tip. They should have been plugging out the whole conference. Yeah. Not at the it, end. It absolutely should have been. Because I didn't know until the very last, after the end of Why weren't they talking like, about this oh. in the emails leading up to it in the, in the they beginning? Have, they had like a whole closing ceremony. And by that point, I was drained. Yeah. Right. That made it hard. You were ready to leave when Aaron's talk was done. Kind of a high note. And then it was like, hold on. Yeah. Let's keep you here for another 30 minutes. And it was 30, everybody yeah. was like. I want to go to dinner. I need to catch my flight. Well, like, yeah. That was the wrong time probably much. to announce that stuff. I also think that they would see more adoption once it's a little more thought out of yeah. the like individual sponsorships because it wasn't very clear to me. Like it was clear to me that Ruby Central needed help and that I don't mind helping, but it wasn't very clear. Am I just yeah. giving $25 a month or whatever and that's it? How, yeah, yeah, yeah. How you find it on the website? C three. It is okay. But like, how you find it on the website is click sign in, click sign up. It felt a little rushed, so hopefully they will get that stuff figured out and make it a little bit more obvious. You know, like how do we invest this money for you and whatever. But yeah. I feel like they should have the membership stuff a long time ago, like this, because yeah. I feel bad for everybody this week who got let go at Shopify. But like, that's the risk is. If the community is too dependent on one company for sponsorships and stuff and things change, then like that would be very hard for them. They may have to shut down or something. So the the more they can be reliant on a bunch of individuals, you're distributing your risk a lot and it makes it a lot more sustainable. So I think it's a very good, you know, long term thing. And they obviously you're doing a ton of work on just maintaining Ruby gems and the volume of downloads and stuff that we get from all that and obviously the conferences i feel like it would be much easier sales pitch to contribute if it was like a little bit more marketed and showing you here's where your money's gonna go as you sign up it's like you're gonna sign up to give us 25 dollars a month this is where we're gonna spend the first 
$100,000 is going to go to wherever. So your first $25 is going to go here and like, we're going to invest it in the future into the next Rails conference. And this is how the conference costs are broken down and stuff. Like it would be really interesting to know some of that. And maybe that's like a place too, where you can be like, actually, I would like to help instead of like they skipped breakfast the the second two days. And it was like breakfast is kind of a thing where it encourages people to get there early and another yeah. place for them to mingle and chat again. But if it's not there, even if it's just like bagels or something cheap, yeah. that is helpful just to get people to mingle more and another part of the hallway track. So it's like, you know what? Had I known, maybe I would have thrown in a couple hundred bucks to like fund right. that or something. Breakfast, you know, survive, go rails. Yeah. You know, it's just like, we need to know the opportunity so we can actually contribute and help and know where money could be used to do stuff like that. If it's too late and you find out afterwards, then you can't really do anything. I also am trying to be aware of the facts that Ruby Central's changed hands quite a bit in terms of leadership yeah. over the last year or two years. And so I think this is the first Ruby Central conference with the new director. I think you're right. Yeah. So I, I'm not necessarily complaining, trying to no. be aware of those things. But right. We missed some of those like conferences that we just like think back super fondly on. And when there was something, I think this was talked about on the Ruby on Rails podcast, but something just felt different. Yeah. Here. And I could yeah. never. We kept saying it though, too. We we're like, I don't know how to describe it. Something feels different. I asked that question to several people. They were like, yeah, something feels off. I don't know what. Yeah. I think just discussing it helps us figure out or and them figure out and get feedback and, you know, improve it next year and stuff. We're trying to be constructive here, not yeah, We're not talking about anything. people's we're just, work. We're just talking about what we experienced. Also, what Chris, you made me realize while you were talking is that what I need personally from Ruby for me to be interested in they put that offer of they're like, Hey, we need money, basically. You can sponsor for twenty five dollars a month. And someone will go through and manually add you to a Discord. By the way, if y'all need a script to add people to a Discord, hit me up. (laughs) But while we were kind of watching that unfold and some of the discussions I've had with a lot of people after that, I need way more transparency from Ruby Central, I think, personally. I think that's like kind of my problem. There's a lot of decisions that have been made in the past couple years, past recent, really one or two years, that the community has really not liked chunks of them and i feel like that has splintered a like couple of factions and i feel like a lot of it is like and reasons like hey we need money i'm like yeah but what for like i understand you do this and this but like you're right if we the people are going to start funding ruby central we need to know what they're doing and we have to have some say in it right yeah it's for the community so you would want the community to have a a strong say in it or at least you know talk about things early so that they can be addressed and If the community doesn't like something, then hopefully it's done early enough or discussed early enough that you can say, okay, took your feedback. We took it to heart and changed X, Y, and Z, or or we decided like we can't unfortunately do that. And, you know, I know sometimes they got to make commitments to these that like, obviously they've already committed to a venue or whatever in Detroit for next year, a year ahead. And there's so many different things. They probably committed that last year. Yeah. Oh, here's another thing. Yonan mentioned after the conference basically like it's critical if you're attending a conference to actually get a room at the conference hotel 
because if they don't sell out enough of those, then the organizers are on the hook for that difference, which can be like 50 grand. But I've never once heard anybody mention that. And if you mention that briefly in one little sentence next to the conference hotel on the website, I am more than likely going to get there instead of shopping around. Even if it's slightly more than some of the other ones nearby, I will pay that because I know that it's going to the conference and it helps make it happen. But if you don't mention that, we can't know the difference. So we're going to shop around and see what the prices are at the other hotel next door and all that. So little things like that make a big difference just to the attendees to know how we can support you. And that was the one thing that like surprised me because I was like, wow, I've always seen there is an official conference hotel, but never even once really considered that that was a like critical piece of they need to make sure that that is fully booked so that things go smoothly financially. And I was like, you know, I've always gone and chopped around because most of the time I was paying for myself and coming out of pocket to attend. But I don't mind paying an extra $100 or whatever it might be to stay there. Maybe it's actually cheaper. I think we ended up booking not at the conference hotel this year because I don't think that conference pricing was even live or something. So right. they had mentioned the hotel, but not the like per night price. And so we found the one down the street and went down there. But of course, this year we spent all our time in the West End restaurant bar down there. And then Jeremy and I invented the bathroom track down there that one night. Did you guys hear about that? He was like just sitting at a bench down the hallway by the bathrooms just to get some quiet space. And I went to the bathroom and stopped and hung out with him. So we ended up calling that the bathroom track. So that I think needs to be a new uh, meme for conferences. Go ahead and veto the bathroom track personally. (laughs) I will say the more and more we go to like these bigger like areas, the more and more all gender bathrooms just kind of make sense to me. Like just have every yeah. stall closed and every bathroom can be nice, dude. Yes. <laughs> Crazy concept. Luxury. Do you remember those carpeted bathrooms and carpeted no. toilet seat what? covers Ew. from the 80s or whatever? Yeah. Bro, just from the 80s? That sounds disgusting. That was just pure luxury back then. People doing (laughs) drive-bys on like carpet. That's crazy. (laughs) I will say getting back to conferences, there is a nice list of conferences happening this year. I feel like there's a lot more. It's picking back up. There's a lot in Europe and stuff this year, which is very exciting. Not a ton. There's, you know, Blue Ridge Ruby comes up here about a month in June and then... Rails camps in Hawaii this year, which sounds Dude, very sweet. Sounds sick. I don't know. Are there any other like regional ones? There's a ton in Europe. There's yeah, there's so a lot many of stuff in Europe internationally this year. U.S. conferences. It looks like there's only a couple. That I think will be interesting. I was already looking at flights for Rails World. It's like I am too. It's like a thousand bucks, and I'm like, eh, I might just pull the trigger and do it. Longer you yeah, wait, the I don't have a baby. Well, Brooke wants to go to Amsterdam really bad. So, hey, bring Brooke. The cop is smart phone with Brooke. Yeah. Another that was he sold to commiserate with. That was fun when she was volunteering last time. Yeah. That was fun. Portland was a lot but of fun. Portland was a blast. Yeah. But yeah, I think we may try and attend that. I expect more out of that than. Yeah. Than I think going that's going to be a lot of fun. 
Amanda was there. So if you didn't listen to our episode with her, do it because it was great. But we all got yes. to meet Amanda and she showed us the venue and it looks super cool. It does. It's like the old stock exchange. It is yeah. freaking cool. It looks really cool. And that'll be a good one. I'm expecting it to be a lot of fun. And I am assuming that our keynoter there will be a certain someone. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe all the talks will be him. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious, actually. You know, I think uh, that was another piece missing. Just this sort of like... Yeah. Gets really fired up about Rails and I can thrive off of some of that energy. I like that. That kind of goes back to a decision that Ruby Central made that the community was not... A lot of the community was for, a lot of them were against. But I think as time goes on, I feel like more are against it. I don't know. We didn't get the whole context of it, but it sounded like, yeah, the way it was asked wasn't as... It probably should have just been asked differently or whatever. But we shouldn't have found out about it, period. That would have been ideal. That happens yeah, behind right. closed doors, in emails. It doesn't yeah, yeah. It just it goes away. If you don't have somebody being like real excited, it sets the tone of the conference when that's your first opening keynote and somebody's like just super excited about the future of what's going on and all this cool stuff. And Not uh, to distract from Eileen's because... Hers are amazing every time. She's a, every, I always get a her talk. She's fantastic. Yeah. All the keynotes this year were, as usual, phenomenal. Yeah. It was fun. I really enjoyed it. My favorite thing, as usual, was like all the friends I met, all the people I've chatted with, either on the podcast or whatever, on Twitter or email or Discord or any of that stuff. And then to like meet them in person and get to, chat with them and then afterwards catch up with them back on whatever social media and it's like now you have just this deeper connection that will never go away it's just great now they're actual friends you feel like acquaintances when you meet online but never really get to see face to face or have dinner with them and then i had never met cody norman so it was great to hang out with him i love yeah Uh, it was as usual just uh wonderful couple days three days dude i don't know how you do it because i started off on a bad foot right out the gate i come out and i see dave paula who i interviewed on ruby for all two weeks before and i said hey man i don't know if we ever met before my name is andrew mason it's good to meet you and he looked at me like huh and then i saw andy kroll i gave him a (laughs) hug and i was like sup josh he's like huh (laughs) And that kind of just kept going until like, I was just like a ball of like social anxiety. Anytime someone would speak to me, I'm like, do I know them? Are they paying me for something right now? Like, uh, <laughs> that definitely does happen to me. People will come up, you know, sometimes they'll be like, oh yeah, we chatted at like RailsCon three years ago or something. And I'm like, oh, we did? It's like definitely social anxiety and whatever sometimes, but you yeah, know, I think you can push past that them. pretty fast and... Jason and I hung out in the Honey Badger Lounge a lot, so people know where we stand. Yeah. We know where we booth. sit. Oh, yes. That too. Although we did you a lot of standing. Next time you have to stand in the Honey Badger booth. <laughs> standing room only. But was, yeah, got to hang out with them a bunch. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I always love hanging out with them. Miss seeing uh, Mike Perham there, yeah. but maybe next year. We'll see. Speaking of RailsConf, I heard a rumor that Rail 7.1 may be shipping very very soon so rumor i heard that rumor as well jason and i are in the trenches 
and the war is not going well. Although some days it goes well, and then other days you just kind of stare at like a, a validation and you kind of just look at it for the next two days and you bring in several other senior engineers, you all just kind of look at it. I thought you were talking about how I posterize you at RailsConf. Oh yeah, just an update. Jason dunked on me at RailsConf in front of our sponsors, in front of our friends, in front of everybody. <laughs> I was That's what they paid for. I was mildly worried he was going to blow out his knee again, so there were no evasive maneuvers. <laughs> and also, I had did not see it coming whatsoever because it was because it was very was unexpected. Perfect. Yeah, I don't want to say it was perfect because I don't want to encourage you to do it again. I'm, but it was perfect. You probably couldn't have done it at a better time. I would like to encourage you to do it again, Jason. No, no, <laughs> no. One day, oh, yeah, this is going to get hurt. <laughs> Chris, I know GoRails has been hiring recently. What's up? What's your boy? <laughs> yeah. You're two months too late. <laughs> two months too late, bro. Come make room. Uh, I'll build you a new product, put your name on it, show up at your doorstep. Yeah. Like, hey, this product has company. That's large now. Now you have to have it. All you got to come to me with is Laravel built this product. Here's our clone of it for Rails. And I'm like, I'm in. I'm just going to show up with Redux on Rails on a flash drive. Oh boy. I'll be running for the hills. State management with Turbo is getting a little tricky. <laughs> but aren't you supposed to use the DOM for storing your state? I am doing that. Wait, I then, shouldn't tell anyone that. If I got roasted for Redux on Rails. But no, <laughs> Basecamp did it first. Never mind. I am doing that for y'all. Yeah. Did they get roasted? Yeah, probably. There you go. There you go. You get roasted too. But I came up with the idea independently two years later. <laughs> Just <by laughs> after reading their blog posts. Funny enough, I actually got the idea from a React library that I had been researching and then later remembered when I was trying to justify it to like the senior engineers on the team, which I guess I am one of. I was like, but but Basecamp does it. And they were like, oh, maybe we could do this. <laughs> well, I think that's it for this one. Yeah, it is. Gamers. I hate that we have to wait another year for RailsConf. But we don't have to wait another year for RubyConf. Yep. Of which I will be at for show for show. I don't know if I'll be able to. I'm hoping to, but if I end up going to Rails World, I might have ended up spending my budget for travel. Uh, That's the only thing. Although I'm going to drive because San Diego is only... Dude, you can't drive from here to Amsterdam. Bet. (laughs) You just drive onto a boat and sit on the boat for two weeks. Is that like tiny slit of land between Alaska and Russia? Is that crossable? (laughs) You're going to go the complete opposite way to get there. Well, you can't go the other way. The no, way no, drive. Well, <laughs> unless the car is a submarine. Or you he's take gonna, a ferry. He's going to mm, leave tomorrow on a ferry. to get there yeah, by October. Get there by October. <laughs> Haggard. Well, if you met us at RailsConf, it was lovely to see you. We had a blast. Thank you to all yes. the organizers and sponsors. We had some ideas, but at the end of the day, we were very thankful that people spent their yeah. time doing this so that we got to all hang out and meet really cool people and have fun and share the joy of Ruby and Rails. As it is every year, it's so much fun. You meet so many cool people. That's how you... Like the juniors I was talking to was like telling them, companies may not be advertising that they're hiring juniors, but if you meet them at conferences and you make friends with people who work there, guess what? That's the back yeah. door to getting a job as a junior that like people do not talk about. So don't be discouraged. You are in the right place at the right time, doing the yeah. right things, 
and you'll be surprised. You know, I thought that was something also to mention, just that if you're a junior, go to conferences like RailsConf, RubyConf, wherever, because those are the secret ways to to get jobs. Yeah, because then come talk to Chris and I and we'll give you ideas. So Chris, you went to the lightning talks, right? Mm-hmm. Was there a guy who he came up and like kind of told his story, but at the beginning and the end, he told people he was looking for a job? Tim Brock. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I told him to let everyone know. He was telling me he was really excited to get on stage and do a lightning talk. And I was like, brother, you're looking for a job, right? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, do not yeah. enter nor leave that stage without telling everyone in that room that and remind them again. So, yeah. so I think, yeah. The I do very, this year. very much remember that one. Yes. Because I thought the same thing. I was like, that's very smart. I remember that exact thought when he got up on stage. And shout out to Dominic Collins, um, a scholar. He got up there, put his slides into the wrong mode, I guess, and didn't have his speaker notes. So he just did the whole thing on the fly and winged it and Baller. killed it. It was amazing. So he did it on hard mode. I told him, you know, next year, full 30 minute or whatever. Are they 30 minute talks or 45? You can never remember. Ready. I think 30. But anyways, I was like, full length talk next year. You got this. For sure. All right. Well, I will catch you guys next week. Down the tracks. Choo-choo.